0: Liberty Solutions here. We are a no whining allowed show on what the people can actually do about today's problems. Who decides, you or a DC career politician surrounded by marble and money? We like facts, so caution out to prisoners of their own drama. There's logic here. As Mark Twain said, politicians in diapers need to be changed often and for the same reason. All right, Keith here for Liberty Solutions. Ed Vidal from Miami, Florida is with us today. Ed is co-host of the Concrete Conservatives talk show on WSQFM radio station in Miami. He also has a day job as the business attorney for an online media business. Ed was born in Cuba, but got here as soon as he was allowed to. Yeah. He has first hand knowledge of what socialism does to a prosperous nation. And being Cuban-American, he shares his viewpoint without sugarcoating the message. As they say, no tener pelos en la lengua. Welcome, Ed.
1: (laughs) Thank you very much, Keith. I appreciate being on your Liberty Solutions podcast, and I wish you the best.
0: Okay, thank you. Uh, Since I moved to Florida two years ago from the uh, Democratic People's Republic of New Jersey, I met a bunch of Cubans. A friend of mine, Takis from Miami, told me that expression as an explanation of herself. It describes pretty well every Cuban person I've met so far. Along with a lot of other people who are not afraid
1: to tell the truth,
0: so I'm thinking well, it's, about making no to in It's,
1: it's interesting because we were just talking about the turning point u s a convention that was held at uh, Palm Beach this last week, and we ran into it you know there were, there was a lot of good people very courageously making good statements, but the, really I think the key virtue that we need we conservatives need is courage courage to state what we believe and what is in fact true. We ran into a couple of situations where conservatives were making very good statements. We, we, um, Nancy Suits and I interviewed uh, three, two or three ladies about their concern of what's happening in the, public, in the schools, public and private schools, and how the teachers are indoctrinating their students and their children with socialist propaganda. And so we videoed, uh, that it was like a three or four minute video. Nancy took, Nancy is with the convention of States, our colleague. And then we went back, Nancy showed them that. And they were terrified the the two women who were video, they were terrified. They said, don't show it. Uh, hold on. And then I said to Nancy, well, wait till we get their consent. So I saw them a couple hours later and, uh, they were, you know, they were just terrified. They didn't want their names used, and they were afraid that they would get on social media. And really, it showed a lack of courage. And I, who am I to tell them to be courageous? But it's really necessary. Uh, so, you know, we need to have courage. We need to stand up and say what we believe. Uh, and if we're not going have, gonna to have courage, we're going to be slaves. We're going to be serfs, like the people in Venezuela who are walking out. Two million Venezuelans walking out of the country with the largest oil and gas deposits in the world.
0: I applaud those who are willing to speak truth and report facts that a lot of people don't want to hear in public. But I understand a teacher who's afraid to do it. If you work at a government school, the truth and facts can get you fired easily. It happens all the time. It's not just teachers. I ran into a couple other people at the Turning Point event that were not willing to let their name used in a recording or, or even be recorded. One of them was in the military, and he expressed the view that a convention of states would be useful to rein in some of the unconstitutional actions that the federal government takes. And he wouldn't even tell me his last name. He's in the military. It's not a good idea to be on a podcast and say that. Truth and facts are what this show is about. And even if it's against some popular narrative or makes some people mad, I want guests that are willing to say it. Today's episode is on President Trump's order to withdraw all U.S. troops from Syria and on the many U.S. wars in the Middle East conducted by every president since George Bush Sr. going back to Iraq War I. Not going to go further back to that. So the timeline here, uh, the Shah of Iran had broad U.S. support for decades through the 70s. Iran was an ally back from when the U.S. assisted in putting the pro-U.S. government in power up until the 1979 Iranian Revolution. That's when Khomeini returned from France to take charge after the Shah was disposed. Then the U.S. government reversed policy on Iran from pro to against. Reagan supported Saddam Hussein in Iraq with military equipment and money in his decade-long war against Iran. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, I suppose. It failed with Iran winning and returning Iraq back to the existing border. Then George George H.W. Bush conducted Iraq War I after Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait reversing the U.S. government stance on Iraq. Bill Clinton continued to bomb Iraq, and Bush Jr. started Iraq War II, invaded, overthrew the government, and installed a new Sunni-led government. And Osama bin Laden developed and executed a plan to go into Iraq as al-Qaeda. Now that Hussein was gone, uh, Hussein had been preventing al-Qaeda from getting much traction uh, before uh, before he was overthrown. Obama supported the Sunni rebels in Syria, initially with the CIA and Saudi's funding that provided weapons to start a civil war to overthrow Syrian President Assad. The stated original U.S. goal in Syria was a regime change by proxy. They were arming and helping the Sunni rebels, who later became ISIS. That goal had been around for at least a decade or more. Uh, Syrian President Assad went to Putin for help against ISIS and the other rebels, attempting to overthrow his government. Russia has a Navy supply base in Syria and a vested interest, so Russia helped defeat the rebels. Uh, Iran and Turkey also got involved in supporting Syria to fight against the rebels and the terrorists, including ISIS. Uh, Israel bombed somewhere between hundreds and scores and hundreds of times in Syria. Uh, They did a lot taking out Iranian material convoys that were bringing equipment to the Syrian army. They were helping the anti-Assad rebel organizations, including ISIS. But with the help of Russia and some from Iran, the Syrian army mostly defeated ISIS and the other rebels and prevented them from taking Damascus. The public U.S. goal then became to fight against ISIS, presumably, as with Russia helping the rebels, they would be unlikely to overthrow Assad. Later, it was switched to being fighting Iran's re- influence in the region. And the last one, they switched to providing support for the Syrian Kurds. I probably missed a few of the proclaimed goals there. Uh, I couldn't really keep track of them all, and there's been some overlap. So now, in 2018, early, Trump ordered a plan be developed to pull out of Syria and defunded support of the rebels there, including ISIS. A few days later, the chemical attack, which appears to have been staged, was blamed on side, so the U.S. abandoned the plan and bombed Syria instead. National Security Advisor John Bolton stated the U.S. would stay in Syria until Iran leaves. Secretary of Defense Mattis and Secretary of State Pompeo concurred. So apparently, the new reason to be in Syria was opposition to Iran. The current official troop count in Syria is 2,000, but I found uh, recently a mistaken uh, in, a, in a speech a DoD official slipped out. It's somewhere between four and five thousand. Uh, Trump spoke with Turkey's president recently, and allegations have been made. I found two sources of it that said that they discuss what Turkey's reaction would be to the Syrian Kurds if the U.S. pulls out. And the problem is that uh, you know the Syrians are doing some terrorist activities in Turkey, um, and if the U.S. leaves, Turkey might attack the, the Kurds. So apparently Turkey has agreed not to like do any kind of widespread attack on the Kurds if we leave. And then this week, Trump announced he will unilaterally withdraw all U.S. troops from Syria. This is against the, the, the advisors uh, in the Pentagon and many on Capitol Hill. Trump said ISIS has been defeated, so we should leave. He tweeted that fighting ISIS is the only reason to be there in his presidency. As far as the law goes, the Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, assigns the authority to decide when and where to go to war to Congress. It says, Congress shall have the power to declare war. Nothing constitutionally authorizes the president to start a war or send troops into battle anywhere on his own. The War Powers Resolution, uh, also referred to as the War Powers Act, was legislation intended to prevent the president from conducting armed conflicts without the consent of Congress. The president can only send armed forces into action abroad on a declaration of war or statutory authorization from Congress. And the last one is the AUMF, Authorization for Use of Military Force Against Terrorists, from 2001. That was legislation signed by G.W. Bush granting the president authority to use all necessary and appropriate force against those who he determines planned, authorized, committed, or aided the 9-11 tax. Attacks. This was used to justify war in Afghanistan, Philippines, Georgia, Yemen, Djibouti, Kenya, Ethiopia, Etria, Iraq, and Somalia so far. The last segment here, follow the money. Wars used to justify large federal taxes, federal borrowing, and dollar printing, and large federal contracts congressmen used to spread the money all over the country to help them get elected and remain in office. The U.S. military budget for... Fiscal 2019 is 892 billion signed by Trump in August 2017. The world total is 1.7 trillion. Rounded off. US. is one-third of the world at 600, China's 200, Saudi Arabia is 70, Russia's 70, UK 50, Australia 30. So we got one-third of the budget total. Uh, wars make a lot of money for a lot of business people and they help get a lot of people elected into positions of political power where they like make a lot of money. So uh, no no further fact check needed here the military industrial complex is quite successful. So Ed, I'm glad to see Trump taking what I see as a libertarian position in Syria against all this neocon warhawk advisors. What's the concrete conservative position?
1: Well, that's a real spaghetti bowl of facts that you have uh, spewed, and I think I thank you for doing that groundwork. But looking at it from a conservative, uh, concrete conservative position, the United States under President Trump went into Syria because ISIS had grown up under Obama, and Obama did not destroy ISIS; it allowed ISIS to rise up an attack not only in Syria, but also in Iraq. So that is cause number one, reason number one, why the Trump administration went into Syria. It was chasing after, with local allies, ISIS, which is a despicable Sunni terrorist organization. However, ISIS has now been 99% defeated in Syria and in Iraq. And that's what the president of Turkey pointed out. Whether we like him or not, he's a bad guy, but he has a good fact. And John Bolton could not contradict that. So if ISIS is defeated in Syria, why are we still there? And the answer is what you alluded to and what General, uh, President Eisenhower warned us about. There is a military-industrial complex in America. You're right. Wars make money for businesses, but also for the war fighters, for the generals, who do this. This is They're willing to sacrifice their own lives. They're, John Kelly was a general in the White House and his son was killed in Afghanistan. And these are men, and we are lucky that we have them in America, but they will defend us against our enemies foreign. And I think that what happens is that they're also career government bureaucrats, and there is a real bipartisan Consensus and support for these kind of endless wars, and Syria was becoming an endless war. Uh, we had already accomplished our mission, so why not get out? You said there were 2,000 troops there, were probably 4,000 when you count all the special operators, the Green Berets training local troops, Delta Force assassinating whoever might be needed to be assassinated, and so the problem with the are in, in war in Iraq, in, in or in Syria in particular, is that we have this military-industrial complex that gets us into wars without end. And among those members of that military-industrial complex are three generals in the Trump administration who have since left. Number one, General McMaster, who was National Security Advisor. Number two, General Kelly, who was Chief of Staff. And number three, General Mattis. These are all very brave, courageous, Military men, but they're military men. They're military bureaucrats. This is their career, so they can't. They've never seen a war they didn't want to get into, or or a war they want to
0: end. There's no such thing as a war they they want to
1: end. That's right. They don't want to end wars. It's their business to be war fighters. They're warriors, and we're grateful to them. But you got to keep rein them in. That's the problem. So Afghanistan is another endless war, but Syria is definitely. I think the Trumpster has done the right thing in pulling back or we've done we've accomplished our mission let's get out
0: I was trying to pull apart you know what are the varying factions of the you know what I would call a conservative position that's why I ask you what is a concrete conservative position but you well, look at some of the people mm-hmm. you know some of the people like you know Lindsey Graham or or Ben Shapiro sure. which I consider uh yep. conservatives at least they're in the this broad camp of conservatives Mark uh, Levin I, I think, mark levin i made a list you know fox news three quarters of people on fox news i i made a list here of supporters of the war like people that came out outraged that trump would pull them out uh it's a crazy list here's my list ben shapiro mia farrow chuck schumer rachel maddow mattis pompeo Mm -hmm. lindsey graham se cup cnn msnbc they're all like strongly opposed to the withdrawal. Well, John Bolton, that's crazy. An
1: excellent conservative. John Bolton is an excellent guy. John Bolton should be in jail. Oh come on for war uh, crimes. John Bolton. Crimes.
0: I never heard of a war that John Bolton was against, but I did hear right. uh, yesterday that John Bolton said, "Okay, even though he yeah, he was the one he, who was driving the the right. excuse but he now to be wrong."
1: He could not answer Trump when when Trump said we have a 99% of ISIS is dead and he couldn't dispute that. So why are we in Syria? And that was the clincher. And I credit Trump with a lot of, uh, for sticking to his principles. Now there's one issue that has to be addressed. We must not abandon the Kurds to the tender mercies of Turkey because Turks will want to kill them all. And the Kurds have been very helpful to us. When we have fight a war we often have local allies who help us, who translate for us, and the Kurds and, and translators in Iraq and in Afghanistan need to be taken care of. We cannot abandon them to the enemy. So that's like the one caveat.
0: So, so, well, so I not, see that much. I see that moving, yeah. and that, and that's why well, we did in Cuba. <laughs> we did in Cuba. Uh, let's right? not let's not get into Cuba. We're talking about the right. Middle East
1: here. Right, right. We'll have to do a whole separate but, podcast on but that. But if you abandon the people that help you, that stand with you, uh, it doesn't mean you have to be in that country forever. You know we. Uh, but you have you can't just abandon them to to the enemy. So yeah, that no,
0: I agree. Important. Although the Kurds should be used to it, we've done it several times so far.
1: It, it's been done to them for eight hundred years. So <laughs>
0: eight hundred you know, years. Yeah. We're, so, going,
1: yeah. we're only going. We're
0: only going back to George. George Bush, the scene. Well,
1: but but you have um, to realize that the the end of the crusade, Saladin, who was the final Muslim that drove the Crusaders out, he was a Kurd. So they've been around for 800 years. They know how it works. So the reason um, I
0: the reason I listed what I see is uh, if you want to call it a rationalization or or the goal yep. um, in Syria. Uh, and one thing I'll, about what you said, the original goal in Syria was to overthrow Assad. The ISIS was several years later. I came several, yeah, Obama went in to overthrow Assad and I found several things going back at least a decade where they had plans to oust Assad's regime. Uh, ISIS came later. Right. Um, and, and ISIS was really started, you know, essentially by Obama and Hillary, um, you know, without them and the war there, that would have never happened. Unlikely to, I'm speculating.
1: Obama precipitously withdrew too many troops from Iraq and that gave space for the Sunni insurgency, which was ISIS to to sprout and really take over a huge territory. And they uh, were, you know, acted very badly towards the local population and, you know, Obama called them to JV and, and didn't really do anything about them, and they were rampaging while he was in office. And to his credit, Trump sent in troops and worked with the local allies and defeated ISIS 99%. So why are we still there? Time to go home.
0: Well, they Ramp need another, they need another reason.
1: Trump. Well, that's right. They need, uh, this is perpetual war. If you're a defense contractor, or even you know, if you're a, an army officer, you know, it's in your interest that there be a war, and then you can get promotion. You can get, keep busy. Yeah as, you said, like yeah, as you mm-hmm. said, Rand, Rand
0: Paul supported it. Uh I did find I did find a few. It was actually kind of rare, but there were a few support statements. Rand Paul tweeted, This is exactly what he promised. So it is one of the right. things Trump said he was gonna do. Uh Justin Mosh, Representative Justin Mosh said you're right here. on you're right on Syria President Trump. And Mike Lee said this is the opposite of an Obama decision. I couldn't agree more. Right. But most of the politicians and most of the news uh, most of the War and the Hawk neocons, they're all yep. against it. They're flipping out.
1: Yeah, in uh, fact, uh, Jesse Waters had a segment last night that I happened to catch, and Jesse was kind of understanding what Obama – but he had really real trouble finding a pundit to come on, and he found a woman who – Morgan Ortegas, who uh, is really not very well known. I've I've now connected with her. What did she say? Yeah. She said that she approved of what he'd done. He said the, the job has been done, and it's time to get out. That's and good. the only thing is you see the what Kurds Like like
0: CNN people. said, shocking Syria withdrawal plan of is course. pure Trump. And right. uh, Senator Lindsey Graham said an Obama-like decision, which made right. me laugh because Obama's and, the one who went in. And our senior senator, uh, little Marco, also was outraged. <laughs> I didn't hear him. What did he say? Yeah, he, he thought it was terrible. He was out, outraged,
1: yeah. Betrayal of...
0: Ben yeah. Ben Shapiro, who I actually like a lot of what he says, but Shapiro say said the alternative is pragmatic policy that doesn't abandon the playing field to dangerous powers with more willingness to stick around. <laughs> the problem All with right, Ben, we'll if you if you notice Ben, if you talk about Ben is awesome. He's like super brilliant, yes, and yes, I agree yes. with him. But if you talk about anything where you get within a thousand miles of Israel, just turn him <laughs> off because he just loses <laughs> rationality completely. You, that's you can't, okay. can't that's bring his, it up. Uh, uh, At least he's uh, an <laughs> uh, Israel-hating Jew. Which I, do, we have I do consider him a
1: conservative. Would, do you? I mean, maybe yes. he's
0: not a concrete conservative. I'm not. What, he's what is not it, a concrete
1: the, conservative. What
0: is the definition? He's not a it?
1: libertarian. Concrete conservative was initially because we have our show from five to seven p.m., so that's when people are driving home, and our uh, fearless leader Mac on the Rock thought they would be they were pounding the concrete. Yeah, that was the timing, and also that we're firm conservatives. We're we're set in concrete in many respects, like
0: a classical liberal, or or you know, yes, classical it? liberal.
1: Yeah. Okay. And we are libertarian. We 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 do not want uh, you know permanent war. We're not neoconservatives. Permanent war. In fact, uh, you went back to the you, you talked about the history of American involvement in the last thirty or forty years. In fact. Saddam Hussein was a CIA agent during the 80s. He was fighting Iran. He was Reagan's buddy. He was That's a good right. He was Reagan. doing our job. We, we helped Kessinger. him. We trained yeah. him. We gave him equipment. Yeah, we,
0: we... That was fine. Tactics. However,
1: in around 1989 or 90, he thought maybe he would invade Kuwait. And we sent a U.S. Foreign Service officer, uh, Miss Gillespie, or Glaspie, and she didn't deliver the message. Clearly, you know, we wanted to tell him, "Don't do it," and she kind of hedged and hawed and all that stuff. And so he invaded Kuwait.
0: My understanding is that she gave him a, a green flag. She said, uh, right. "The U.S.
1: wouldn't do anything." She's a dope. That was uh, uh, she, bad, she, she, bad that was idea. wrong because when when he went ahead and invaded Kuwait, so "Oh, it's another province," and it was another province when it was part of the Ottoman Empire. Uh, the the U.S. Uh, everyone in Congress, the president. President um, Poppy Bush was outraged. How you know? How could th- this guy be doing it? He thought he was. He had gotten the go ahead. It was that muddled the message that she sent. And and, and so and, poor and I, guy. I heard
0: the. Uh, um, I tried to verify, but I couldn't prove it that, that Kuwait was slant drilling into Iraq territory. That was one of Saddam's could be complaints. Could be. Could be, um, but yes. but I mean, all those people are crazy. I mean, I'm not saying I support right. Saddam, but. Um, you know, I remember at the time thinking that, you know, what is the danger here that our gas price might go up by 50 cents or something? I mean, is that why we went in? I, I don't think Saddam was going to, like, take over Europe like we were going to have another Hitler. He's
1: no, not, but he- it's a, it, it created a lot of uncertainty in the Middle East, which at that time, this was before the fracking revolution, we we and Europe were very much dependent on um, – on oil from the Middle East, and especially from Saudi Arabia, who was freaked out by this invasion. Because if you can walk into Kuwait, you know you can walk into Saudi Arabia because there's nothing stopping you. So it was really to defend the Saudi Arabian and the Western-controlled oil fields along the Persian Gulf that we went in there. And I have no problem with with doing that. But what we should have done is we needed to take him out. We cannot – he, once he had violated the rules, he needed to be shot and, and, but, and, but, and put away. But why is it he the U.S. US jobs
0: agent. to do that?
1: Well, I because we because... were the leader of the world. We had just won the Cold War, and we were going to show them. So I don't have a problem. The problem was that uh, D- George W. Bush, the first guy, Herbert Walker Bush, didn't finish the job.
0: Well, he He shouldn't have been there at all. I I would think the concrete conservative position would be that he shouldn't have been there at all.
1: Well, we don't don't rewrite history. We don't replay history. So at the time, I had no objection to going in and uh, punching a new one to this Arab tin pot dictator who thought he could just walk into another country. I think there was a lot of value in teaching them that lesson that you can't just invade another country. Uh, because they might be drilling horizontally into your place. Uh, And just because it was okay to to invade and attack Iran doesn't mean that you can invade and attack another Arab ally in a very, very important part of the world. So I don't have a problem with the first Gulf War. I think it was not properly concluded. And I think there again, we uh, abandoned a lot of uh, Saddam's enemies and let him take him over. I think we should have you know, had a, a, a hail of fire going back up to uh, by Baghdad and captured him and tried him and executed him for invading another country and put in another tyrant. Like, for example, his foreign minister was a Christian uh, and he would have been a good new dictator in uh, Iraq. But, uh, you know, George Herbert Walker Bush just didn't go through. Uh, Colin Powell said that it would be unseemly if the world saw the allies. Uh, you know, shooting up the uh, trail of uh, uh, Iraqi tanks going up to Baghdad and setting them all on fire. So we didn't do it. I think that was a mistake. We need to finish the job when we go in and do do something. And George Herbert Walker Bush showed that not only was he a liar by changing his mind on no new taxes, he showed that he was a wimp and didn't get the job done. And so sure enough, he lost to slick Willie Clinton, uh, and, and Ross Perot got 19 percent of the popular vote. So that's how it goes.
0: The position that I had at the time, uh, I didn't pay much attention, but I thought, uh, all right, we'll go in there and chase him out and then stop. But looking back at it later, uh, you know, Congress didn't declare war. Um, I don't see the, the reason for us to be there. Um, from what you just said, Congress if I think through the scenario, Congress declare never war declared in, war. In, Congress in Iraq de- one?
1: Congress did not declare war. Well, Congress that's hasn't
0: declared nation. war since World War II.
1: That's another matter. We should have a podcast on that. The War Powers Act uh, allows gives a uh, uh, listen. The problem with Congress is that they have abdicated their responsibility. That's why they have this administrative state that runs everything, that regulates everything. Regulation is a form of legislation, and that's what Congress is supposed to do, and they're not doing it. And they've delegated the power to even declare wars to the president, our commander-in-chief. But Congress usually has a resolution kind of approving after the fact uh, the, the declaration of war. Like, for example, in Libya, another Middle East country, where we went in, toppled the country, and now it's a total mess. In fact, they even have... Uh, black slavery has been re- restored in Libya because of the chaos and the breakdown in the rule of law. We, we
0: shouldn't be there in, there either. Congress is right, not authorized to just unilaterally give away their authority to decide where and when to go to war to the executive branch. Agreed. So we can't use legislation Agreed. for that. The Constitution, from my reading, it's it's clear. War has to be declared. The president can't I send agree. the military into battle j- just on his own.
1: And so another example of how Trump is actually more constitutionally minded than the establishment in Congress. I agree. He,
0: he's doing something that's constitutional. I, right. I don't get it. When's he going to pull out of Yemen? I, I think he likes the Yemen. I don't
1: think we're in Yemen. We're helping the Saudis.
0: We're refueling uh, and maintaining planes and supplying equipment and selling. Yep. And, and we're,
1: all good to for me, business. we're in The Saudis more... are paying for it. Uh, we're, we're the mercenaries of the world. Yeah, but it's it's also no, the, the biggest humanitarian
0: freedom. disaster in the world right humanitarian. now. Humanitarian? Well, I mean, oh, how no. many babies do you think should die for the so Houthis that, so that Lockheed Martin Iran. can sell some weapons?
1: The Houthis are allied with Iran. I don't care. So we didn't declare war. It, I don't think I the agree. Houthis
0: are going to come across the Atlantic and t- attack Florida.
1: Well, you never know <laughs> if they could send someone uh suicide bomber or something like that. they won't. That. No, if I, we're, I if we're not
0: over there killing them, they w- they have no reason to send a suicide
1: bomber. Yes, when, they do. when they want, they need to convert when's the,
0: us. When's the last time this, the the sent a suicide bomber into Switzerland?
1: Actually, Al Awaki, was from uh, was from Yemen. But I, uh, no, the Swiss have no If you're worried about the where people, mer- the mercenaries of the world.
0: If you're if you're worried That's about where people were from, we should be nuking Saudi Arabia. They're the ones where all the nine eleven people I'm not, came from. I'm, not, I'm not against
1: that. I'm not against that.
0: You're in to turn the whole place into into glass theory. Yes. Yeah. The the uh, you know the Senate um, passed a resolution telling Trump to to stop supporting the Yemen war. Did, did you hear that That's last fine. week? Uh, I well, don't know why they, they, they thought control, they had to if do any, a resolution.
1: Uh, testicular fortitude. They would uh, tell <laughs> Trump that that you can't. Uh, they haven't declared war. Congress has not declared war on Yemen, so we cannot be helping an aggressor against Yemen. They they
0: can't, and and they did it because of the murder of the journalists in Turkey. They didn't do it because of the, you know, hundreds of thousands of civilians oh, we've helped it. kill in Yemen. That was the reason. Um, you know, a mainstream media guy got killed. Uh, that that's right. that's the, so that's a big deal. But I don't it, care about the reason. Media guy was an agent of the.
1: Muslim Brotherhood
0: so I, I just want them to stop so I'm I'm okay if they say it was because of the journalist uh, I mean I'm sorry about the journalists, but if they want to leave for that reason that's fine just like if Trump wants to say that well we won in yet in Syria so right. we should
1: leave which is a, I mean I laugh declare victory at. and attack in a different direction that's my if, advice if he said in Afghanistan and everywhere
0: um we didn't uh, uh, we didn't overthrow Assad, which is why we went in. Right. Uh, we didn't yeah, totally defeat ISIS, which is why we no, stayed No, no, no. 99%
1: percent defeated ISIS.
0: Yes. Yeah, mostly by the Syrians and the Russians, but
1: that's no, okay. No, we got it done. We helped get it done. It wouldn't have been done without us. There, there's so it many. being done without us. There, there,
0: there, there's so many things going on in Syria. It, it's like you can't even put things in one side.
1: Well, that's nothing. You know that in the African continent we have even more going on than we have in Syria or Yemen put together.
0: Yeah, I mean we're I've heard. Over. You know, there, there's like it didn't come out a couple months ago. Like a whole country I never even heard of were in there. Which fighting. one is that?
1: I forget. Upper forgot the name.
0: Yeah, it's, it's these it's four like North, green were northeast were of Nigeria, in, in
1: Mali. Yeah, well, these four green berets were killed in Mali. I didn't even know we were in Mali. What are we doing there? I don't know. There's something like yeah, hundred and
0: was it like six hundred right. military bases around the world.
1: You know what happened about five or six years ago? The Pentagon created this new Africa Com based in Germany, and it's not, and their job is to make war in Africa. Africa, <laughs> I don't, I don't get Africa. yeah.
0: So, so yeah. here's the list. I found the list. I, I was trying to like. There's so many sides in Syria, and I spent a couple hours this morning reading. Yeah. Um, but I but I decided okay I'm going to see are there two sides? I, you think, should I think there's on Sunday mornings, but there's there's more than. Of I Sydney, I avoid but... church religiously. Oh, Okay, um, there's there's I tried dividing it into two sides, but there's I think there's more like five or so. But sure. here's my two sides, yeah, which is one side is uh, the Syrian government, Russia, Iran, and Turkey. The other side is and, uh, not other...
1: exactly. But go ahead. Let yeah. me finish.
0: The yep. other side is U.S., ISIS, the Free Syrian Army, the Kurds, and several other insurgents. I didn't even write them down because there's a bunch of them. Like, like if I have to, are we on the same to, side as ISIS? Oh yeah, we're on the same side as ISIS.
1: There you go. Okay. Uh, but but we we're against ISIS. Them, well, we've been.
0: Well, we're on the same side as ISIS in Syria, but we're on the opposite side of ISIS in Iraq. That's the funny part. Okay. And the, and the border between Iraq and. Uh, Syria is pretty open like it 's not hard to go back and forth between those two countries. Right. So Just in the Iraq war, like mostly we're fighting ISIS now, and Trump did six months ago or so pull funding for the terrorists in Syria. Um, but before that, people in ISIS in Iraq who were fighting against us were going into Syria and getting weapons from the u s and Israel, and then going back into Iraq and then fighting against u s because if they were there in Iraq, they were on our side. But if, I mean, if they're in Syria, excuse me, they're on our side, but if they're in Iraq, we're fighting against them. There you go. It's a, it's a crazy setup. So anyway, the way I look at Syria um, and the Middle East, but Syria is kind of a microcosm. There's so much bickering and different people, and I'm trying to figure out what Iran and Russia are doing. Like, Russia has a Navy base there, so um, they do have some ships in the Mediterranean, so they have a supply base in Syria. Like, I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, based on what happened in Iraq and Afghanistan, when America overthrows the the government, uh, all, all hell breaks loose. So if they may, maybe Assad is is the best one to run Syria, I think we should leave him there. I mean, he is. I well, mean, compared to people in that region, you, you look at Assad. He's like got a suit on. He's clean shaven, short hair. He, he looks like he's a conservative. I know he's not, but compared to the you know the the uh, the, the typical dictator in the Middle East, Assad kind of looks moderate. And and obviously Saddam Hussein was doing a better job running Iraq than anybody since then. It was better with him. I say leave them all alone.
1: I, leave. All right. Well, I, I can't uh, disagree <laughs> with you, except I do think we should defend uh, Israel uh, or help defend them, not stand in front, but stand beside them. I
0: I, them uh, not
1: leave from behind.
0: I, I mean, I don't mind Israel, but I, I don't. I don't know how many people I want to die to defend Israel. Israel's a sign of New Jersey. Why don't we pick a spot in like New Mexico and just move them all there?
1: No, they got, they have a deal where they hit that land. They oh. got a good
0: price. Uh, Okay. Well, I don't want to get into that. So, um, yep. uh, I wrote down a couple of tweets, which were good. That uh, so, so Trump, I mean, Trump, you know, I'll call him out when he does something I don't like. And I congratulate him when he does something I do. So, you know, all these crazy, you know, uh, uh, people of are, are all together on this opposing him. Um, and Trump, yeah. Trump tweeted Trump. Trump tweeted getting out of Syria was no surprise. I've been campaigning yep. on it for years. Russia, yep. Iran, yep. and Syria are the local enemy of ISIS. I have no idea why we're doing this. That's right. a good tweet. And yeah. then and then there's another treat, tweet I saw this morning. Does the USA want to be the policeman of the Middle East? Right. Getting nothing but all spending right. precious lives and spending trillions of dollars to protecting others who in almost all cases do not appreciate what we're doing do we want to be there forever that's good like yeah mr trump that's that's what the military industrial complex wants. do we want to be there forever and the 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 one fraction i don't know what their name is the neocons i guess the neocon fraction of the conservative party it does want to be there forever yes you know you know ben Shapiro answered that question uh i saw a tweet from him he put Germany and South Korea out as models of how we should handle Syria, the, our military presence. In other words, no, you know, no, Shapiro is no. saying, yes, Mr. Trump, we are going to stay there forever.
1: No. no, no. We need to be in Germany so that we can help them reconquer their country after it gets conquered by the jihadists. It will be like the uh, Iberian Peninsula. Oh, we got, a new,
0: we got a new reason to go to Germany. Yeah, right, yeah. Great. We're, That's we're, just we what
1: we, we need. Have to stay there just so to, to help them reconquer their country. Uh, in South Korea, I think that the American troops are there to show resolve that if North Korea were to attack again, as they did in 1950, they would there would be a tripwire and we would be involved. That's Whether that's good or not, I'm not sure, but at least Trump has been working on resolving the Korea situation. Uh, but in the Middle East, I think Trump is doing the right thing. And I think that the mainstream media has Trump derangement syndrome, and they oppose anything he does without thinking about whether it makes sense or not
0: a a tweet uh tom woods tweeted in in response to the ben shapiro tweet. he said you know tom he's great i listened to his podcast on this this morning he had scott horton on about this which is scott horton is the best expert on foreign policy i know um uh, tom woods tweeted the playing field in quotes that's what syria and other countries are to the neocons the empire has the right and obligation to do whatever it wants there and send the bill to the chumps. Right. That was when he 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 commented that yep. on the Ben Shapiro tweet, which I thought was pretty funny. Yep. Then another Tom uh, Tom Woods tweet was, "Things are seriously screwed up when I can't tell the difference between Bette Midler and Ben Shapiro." Right. <laughs> and then Greg Gutfield tweeted this morning, "Chris Matthews praises Trump while Brian Kilmeade rebucks him. Where am I?"
1: Uh. Right. No, I agree. The Trumpster, this is, this is the right thing. He's doing the right thing. He has the right instincts. Uh, I think uh, that he will He uh, he has been a real breath of fresh air for the American political system. And we're blessed that he took the time to leave his very successful business and beautiful family to do this for us. And so I, because of that, I support the Trumpster he, um, know, he has warrants. I, I but, support this. So, so is he going to yeah. take
0: the next step, which is stop supporting Saudi Arabia and Yemen?
1: Um, well, then everybody. Come. That may come. He's also pulling out of Afghanistan. He's got half the troops coming out. That was another forever war, and uh, he's moving in the right direction. He's giving the right signals to the military that they need to get their act together and not be uh, like that. I hope he's out and by Saudi next Arabia, year. you know.
0: I'll put I, I'll put I, the line I, on, on Afghanistan. I mean, for me the line is uh next year. Because as of next year, there's gonna be soldiers fighting there that were born before the war started. Right. Were born after right. the war started. Like like get right. out. It's the longest war in history. Like right. how come World War Two only lasted two four years?
1: Because like, they like, didn't have <clears throat> a military industrial complex set up yet. <laughs> oh. Otherwise it have lasted ten years. <laughs> right. Absolutely.
0: So looking at the budget, you know the military budget is is rounded off. It's a trillion a year. Yep. So I mean, you look at you know a hundred billion here, a hundred billion there, and soon we're talking about re- real money. You
1: know, Senator Everett Dirksen of Illinois said that. It's it's the great.
0: second largest item after Social Security. So so we're one third of the world's total budget. And then um, nothing the wrong with three times we're China. our national defense,
1: but we can't be everywhere.
0: We can't afford national that.
1: defense is important.
0: Hmm? It's it's yeah, it's an offense, a national offense. If, if
1: you're gonna if you're gonna be doing offense, the place to do it is the western Pacific. Make sure that we keep China contained. That's the place to, to be investing. And that means uh, the navy and to a lesser extent the marines and the air force, and that's where we need to keep. Uh, our resources, not in Afghanistan, not in Syria, not in Yemen, not in Africa, Libya, Germany, Somalia. Forget it. Yeah, the whole African Iraq, continent. There's no reason. Africa. And then also, we may, you know, we may need the the military closer to home. Uh, you know, if the so, if the Russians set up a base in Venezuela, uh, but you know, that that would be worth invading, uh, at, although the country I mean, is a t- mess.
0: The Russian, the Russian military is is one tenth. The size of right. the U.S. budget-wise, I mean, they do have a bunch of nuclear weapons, but you know, we've trained the world that that's a good idea to hang on to them. Um, yeah, Kim Jong Un figured that out after
1: uh, right Libya and uh... right <laughs> so, Ukraine. Ukraine had a promise that if they gave up their nuclear weapons, they would not be invaded. A promise from the U.S., Russia, and, and Great Britain. Ha ha! And it happened. hour promise watch. ha ha! Ukrainians, yeah. you you trusted us. That was Otter in Animal ha-ha. House. Do you remember that? Come on, flounder! Can't spend your whole life
0: worrying about your mistakes? You f***ed up! You trusted us! (laughs) Good advice, Ed. The U.S. government should send a copy of Animal House to the Ukrainians, then leave Northern Europe. Then send a copy to the Syrian Kurds and withdraw entirely from Syria. Then send a copy to the Iraqis, the Afghanis, the Libyans, the Sudanese, the Israelis, the Iranians, the Egyptians, the Saudis, The Lebanese, the Palestinians, the Ethiopians, the Somalians, the Kuwaitis, the Yemenis, did I ever say them? The UAE princesses, the Pakistanis, and the Turks. Each of them need to watch Animal House twice. Then admit that since Bush the elder found the great excuse in the Middle East to keep the military-industrial complex funded to the tune of about a trillion dollars, and every president and every congress ever since kept it going— not a single country there is better off. Every last country in the Middle East we got involved in is less safe than it was 17 years ago when the U.S. started killing Iraqis. Every one. And the Twin Towers are gone for extra credit. Why is it so rare that anyone in the government is held accountable for their dismal and predictable failures? These people screwed up on a grand scale in the Middle East. They won't admit the U.S. has a dismal record in the goal of bombing people into becoming a republic and installing democratic elections for new governments in the Middle East. The U.S.-led regime change is not often successful in the short term and almost never in the long term. Seventeen years in the Middle East in about a dozen countries, and every last one is worse off than before we started. Our military is great at offensive short-term fights in non-nuclear third-world countries when they're allowed to win. But the rest of it? Establishing so-called democracy in the Middle East, picking winners and looters, looters, that's good, picking winners and losers and who runs what and where the lines between the factions should be? No, we are terrible at that part. So from a practical view, evidently starting the Middle East intervention is a lousy idea. We have a zero rate of success and lots of statistical data to examine. I fact-checked my earlier mention of the country in the U.S. is at war with that I never heard of. It's Niger. When four soldiers were killed in the fighting there a little while ago, the military went to Congress and explained that there was a country called Niger, and that we had troops fighting there, and that some of them were killed. I wonder how many congressmen asked if the U.S. had declared war on Niger and authorized funding to battle there. I wonder how it was explained to the families of the four dead soldiers that They were fighting a war in a country Congress didn't even know we were involved in. Ed, let's talk about solutions now. A convention to propose amendments by the individual states following the Constitution's Article 5 could stop this problem. A convention could propose an amendment to clarify that the only time a president is allowed to engage in military actions overseas is a declaration of war by Congress. This likely would have kept the U.S. entirely out of the Middle East conflicts go back thousands of years, not our business, there's no legitimate U.S. interest there. It's not our job to save the world from themselves. So how do you see a, a convention, a state convention on Article 5, as helping this
1: whole situation? Not at all. If they haven't followed the Constitution so far, why would they follow an amendment saying you've got to follow the Constitution? That is not something that should be considered at the convention And I think what we need to do is talk to our current legislators and tell them, you got to start following the Constitution. Follow the Constitution. A a convention with a new amendment saying you got to do this when they haven't done what was already written clearly before is not going to help. A cool part about being the host and the
0: editor is that I get the last word if I choose to, even if it's a week later. After listening to Ed's objection and considering a bit, I still see amendment could help ed you can always continue your argument by email if you would like the original constitution in article 1 section 8 where congress's jobs are listed says congress shall have the power to declare war article 2 where the president is defined says the president shall be commander-in-chief of the army and navy of the united states as worded i see an out for the neocon and modern-day liberal war hawks that the supreme court might let them get away with If a case got through the federal system, it could be argued that since the president is commander in chief, he can tell the military what to do and that this expressly delegated power could include killing people without Congress declaring war, giving enough war hawk activist judges on the court and the fact that in federal court cases, the government often sides with the government. I see a possibility of a Supreme Court majority opinion saying the president can send troops to battle in Syria without a declaration of war. Perhaps they would call it a conflict or an action, and by misleading use of terms claim it isn't a war. I think it could happen. A state convention could propose an amendment explicitly recognizing a president has no authority to unilaterally order offensive military action overseas without a declaration of war by Congress. To clarify the lack of definition of exactly what quote, commander-in-chief, unquote, entails now in Article 2. This could have kept the U.S. entirely out of Syria, and probably out of almost all the Middle East conflicts. The Senate recently passed a resolution to stop all support of Saudi Arabia's war against Yemen because of the murder of the journalist in Turkey, that the U.S. provided help that resulted in several hundred thousand civilians killed by the Saudis with half of them being children, evidently didn't bother them enough to do something, but kill a Washington Post reporter in Turkey? Now that's something the Senate objects to. I don't understand why a nine-binding resolution to stop supporting the Saudi Yemen war was the way they decided to address the murder of a U.S. journalist. The War Powers Act specifically legislates Trump cannot engage in a war without Congress's approval. An amendment could help in a future Yemen-type situation only, one that explicitly recognizes that a declaration of war by Congress is required before the president is authorized to have the military actively participate in a war. Fact check. In the time between recording the discussion and producing the podcast, it was announced that Trump made a mistake. The U.S. is not going to pull out a serial in 30 days. It's going to be more like four months. Then it was announced there is no timetable. There are claims that Trump neglected to mention withdrawal conditions when he ordered a one-month withdrawal. National Security Advisor John Bolton announced the change from Israel. Al Jazeera reported, quote, There are objectives that we want to accomplish that condition the withdrawal, end quote. These quotes are from John Bolton. The timetable flows from the policy decisions that we need to implement, end quote. Those conditions, he said, included the defeat of the remnants of the Islamic State in Syria, protection for the Kurdish militias. Bolton said the U.S. withdrawal from Syria would be carried out in a manner that, quote, makes sure the defense of Israel and other friends in the region is absolutely assured, end quote. The quotes are all from John Bolton. Bolton met with Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu to reassure him that we aren't leaving just yet. I didn't find proof that Trump knew about the conditions of withdrawal before he ordered the one-month withdrawal and thereby made a mistake, as Bolton claimed. According to what Bolton has said, there are now at least four reasons to stay. Defeat ISIS, protect Syrian Kurds from Turkey, support Israel, and oppose Iranian influence. In September, Bolton said the primary reason to remain in Syria is to fight Iran. I think that is really his long-term agenda in the Middle East. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said Bolton went to Turkey to ensure Turkey would not attack the Syrian Kurds. Pompeo said, even if we leave Syria, quote, there's no change in our counter-Iran strategy, end quote. Defense Secretary Jim Mattis resigned within hours of the announcement of the Syria withdrawal. And the Pentagon Chief of Staff, Kevin Sweeney, said on Saturday that he was also leaving. So, breaking news. Evidently, we are staying in Syria for a while. Perhaps I should change the podcast title, as it is now wrong. Trump was wrong. Oops. Maybe Ben Shapiro's advice was taken. We should use the U.S. military presence in South Korea as a model for how to handle Syria. We should plan to stay at least 60 years, according to Ben, the so-called conservative. No, Mr. Trump, conditions must be met to pull out of Syria, according to those apparently more powerful than the Commander-in-Chief. Our military will stay until ISIS is gone, and to protect the Kurds from Turkey, and to support Israel, and to counter Iranian influence. The original reason Obama started the Syrian war, to overthrow Assad, is evidently long gone. Once Assad got help from Russia to defeat ISIS and to counter the Americans in Syria, A regime change is no longer a good excuse for military action there. I assume even the neocons don't actually want to start a war with Russia. They have nukes. Reports said Bolton originally agreed with Trump when Bolton had no counterpoint against Trump's claim that we won and ISIS is gone in Syria. That's what Ed said he had heard. Getting rid of ISIS is the only reason to be there now, according to Trump. But Bolton has publicly claimed four reasons for the U.S. to remain occupying part of Syria now. Give him a week, he comes up with more reasons. He announced it from Jerusalem, which I take as indicative of what his actual agenda is. I laughed that one of Bolton's reasons is to oppose ISIS, since last week he admitted it is essentially gone in Syria. I was surprised Bolton went along with Trump last week in agreeing on a withdrawal, but now he is back in his. Warhawk character. Russia makes a better Pentagon boogeyman than an actual wartime opponent. It is more fun for the Army to man Cold War Arab bases along Russian borders than to actually battle them. Happily, when some U.S. bombings in Syria killed some Russian mercenaries, Putin remained publicly calm and ordered no military response that I know of. Putin doesn't want to start a war with the U.S. I see Syria as a microcosm of the whole U.S. intervention in the Middle East. The stated primary reason for killing people there has changed at least four times. There are so many different competing factions that I failed to list them all. The U.S. was on the same side as ISIS, providing them with weapons and funding to support opposition to Assad. Then the U.S. changed its mind and fights against them. All we are doing there is adding to the quagmire, spending huge amounts of money, risking American lives, and creating more terrorists that hate the U.S. Syria is a war-torn mess. Its population is about the same as Florida's and has no money or military that could attack us across the Atlantic. No nuclear weapons. Syria has never even threatened the U.S. that I know of. Syria is one of the more secular countries in the Middle East. It is a non-religious government and it's a place where those of different religions can coexist. The president wears a business suit, clean-shaven, has short hair. He could repass for a Republican senator. And the Syrian military with Big help from Russia and Iran is who defeated ISIS in Syria. And when that happened, many people moved back in. Apparently lots of Syrian citizens are okay with Assad in charge. I don't know, but they're not leaving. They're coming back. The Kurds are making a deal with the Syrian government to protect them from Turkey in the occupied eastern third along the Turkish border. The Syrian Kurds' YPG version of the PPK terrorist group who operates in Turkey and are calling for an independent Kurdish state, apparently think they're better off with Syrian military protection from Turkey. Expert on Syria, Elia Magnier, said on the Scott Horton podcast, quote, the best way to protect Kurds is for the U.S. to pull out and let Syria protect Kurds from Turkey, End quote. Could be. I don't care why Trump wants to withdraw. He can claim the reason is the U.S. won there, defeating ISIS or that we're spending billions and getting nothing out of it, protecting people who don't appreciate it. He said both. He has twice ordered a complete withdrawal of Syria and twice been overruled by the neocons. I hope this time Trump asserts his constitutional authority and simply orders all U.S. military to leave Syria. He has the Constitution, fiscal responsibility, and ethics on his side here. Open letter to Mr. Trump. I oppose you when you do something bad and support you when you do something good. You are right here. Get us the hell out of Syria now. We are wasting money, risking lives, encouraging more anti-U.S. terrorism, antagonizing a legitimate government by illegally occupying part of the country, risking proxy or real war with Russia. The five and counting excuses the deep state and the Pentagon have used for being there are all unjustified. In six months, there'll probably be a new excuse based on history. Congress has never declared war in Syria, and Syria has never threatened the U.S. Be the commander-in-chief, please. It is your job to direct the military. Go for it. As far as the Middle East in general, Syria, again, is a microcosm to me. All the same points apply to most of the other places. Every time I turn around, there's a new excuse to spend money and lives there. Every case the U.S. has gotten involved since Bush the senior has ended up worse than before we started. Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, Yemen, and a bunch I forget. Sure, our military is awesome at battling third world countries that don't have nukes and have disjointed, bickering populations. We can kick their ass no problem in battle. But our record of regime change, installing new governments, spreading democracy, and rebuilding nations in the Middle East is dismal. Failures everywhere. We evidently can't use guns and bombs to create a peaceful constitutional republic with democratically elected representatives in a country where no such thing ever existed. The people there have to do it themselves or it's unlikely to work out. Maybe impossible. Our track record is terrible and the John Bolton-type Warhawk crowd won't admit they have failed miserably in everything they have done. I mentioned earlier that John Bolton should be in jail. Ed objected. I'm being kind. By Nuremberg trial standards, Bolton might be hanged for his criminal decades-long career. And I'm serious in saying it's possible, or at least worth discussion, that if George Bush hadn't found a new excuse for a a trillion-dollar-a-year military, the Twin Towers might still be up in New York City. It's possible. A theory that cannot be proven either way, but it is a valid possibility worth discussing, in my opinion a reason to give pause when contemplating military action abroad. Obama bin Laden stated clearly why he executed the 9-11 tax. He hated the U.S. government's killing people in the part of the world he lived in and figured he could oppose us by making us spend so much money that we would give up and leave. I believe him. It makes sense. I see no reason to think he lied about it. Without the Soviet Union as the reason to deploy massive military operations all over Europe and Asia, there was no good reason to buy so much stuff from the military contractors, and we no longer had a need for the massive Pentagon and its massive programs. New boogeyman was needed. The Middle East in general fit the bill. Not much of a Navy, not much of an Air Force, different majority religion, previous generation ground warfare technology, Poorly trained armies, and every country there is seen as in dire need of being bombed into becoming a democracy. The end of the Cold War and the fall of the Berlin Wall doesn't necessarily mean the U.S. shouldn't have an Army, Air Force, and Navy presence in every corner of the world. We just needed a new excuse, and Bush the Elder had one. Bush went for it. He started with kicking Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait in 2003 after a U.S. diplomat gave him a green light to invade. Congress appropriated the money. Every president and every Congress ever since kept it going, with Bush's kid finishing off the job of destroying Iraq. Bush Sr. used Kuwait and U.S. oil supply as an excuse to go in. Bush Jr. used the lie that Saddam still had weapons of mass destruction and threatened somebody or other, I forget who, as it turns out, it seems to me Saddam Hussein was doing a fair job of keeping Iraq relatively calm by Middle East standards. Perhaps he was the best guy to run the place. At least he hated Iran. Why didn't Bush appreciate that? Reagan thought Saddam was a pal and sent him lots of weapons. So far it has ended up with Obama setting a new record for starting wars. Barack started one-a-year average for eight years straight. Wow. I'm glad Hillary lost as she had promised to keep that neocon liberal trend going. Whatever happened to the anti-war liberals in the Democrat Party? Being against war was one of their good parts. Now that seems to be gone. Most of the Democrats last week strongly objected to Trump's Syria withdrawal order. They were appalled at the concept of ending the war. Here is one of the broad bipartisan supported government programs. Military interventions in as many places as they can get away with. Off the top of my head, I made a list, in no particular order, of why the U.S. government has said it has intervened in the Middle East. It opposed invasion of one Middle Eastern country into another Middle Eastern country, support invasion of one Middle Eastern country into another Middle Eastern country, eliminate weapons of mass destruction, supply weapons to governments, jihadists, civil war proponents, and terrorists, keep the oil flow to the U.S. clear, Keep gas prices from rising. Keep a new Hitler from starting up. Support Israel. Oppose Iran. Protect an existing government. Overthrow an existing government. Establish democracy. Overthrow a dictatorship. Ensure a dictatorship is not overthrown. Support ISIS in a mutual quest. Fight ISIS in the same quest after the U.S. government changes its mind. Fight Al-Qaeda. Support the Kurds in a quest for their own country. Oppose the Palestinians in a quest for their own country. Support Turkey, usually, for being a member of NATO and a U.S. ally. Oppose Turkey, but only in certain spots. Oh, and kill the perpetrators of the 9-11 attacks. I'm sure I missed a bunch of reasons the government has used to buy weapons and to send our military to the Middle East. But the point is, why are we there exactly? From a practical view, it is doing no good. Billions of dollars spent, hundreds of thousands of people in the Middle East killed, many thousands of Americans killed or injured or mentally damaged, new terrorist organizations formed, and who knows how many thousands of new terrorists encouraged to sign up. The U.S. is leaving political, economic, and environmental disasters everywhere in the Middle East, it goes. The U.S. should not be a worldwide imperialist we the world's cops. We shouldn't try to protect people from themselves. The military is supposed to be a defensive force, yet we have roughly 800 bases around the world, according to a recent count. About 600 overseas and 5,000 total, according to the Pentagon in 2014. We currently are running military operations in at least 14 countries. Last summer, a U.S. military action killing people was announced in a country I'd never heard of. That's offense, according to Webster's, not defense. Why do we have 800 foreign military bases and are fighting wars in 14 countries? Did someone attack us and I missed it on the news? I propose we rename it the Department of Offense, or alternatively, shut most of it down and make it a defensive agency assigned to defend the U.S., one or the other, Let's put the Pentagon workers in a building holding a couple hundred people and sell the big one for condos. Tell the military when they run out of desks in the new little building that that's it. Just defend the borders of the U.S. with what they have room for and prepare to oppose any direct attacks on the U.S. Tell the rest of the world to take care of themselves. We could pocket $500 billion a year thereabouts, not counting what we get for the Pentagon condo conversion. And what is the effect in the economy if all those military people and all those Pentagon people get a job where they're actually producing something that contributes to the economy? The claim that building stuff that can be used to blow other people up contributes to the economy is wrong. It violates basic economics. It's not really productive. Sure, lots of people have jobs, and it contributes to local economies by spending money, but the money all comes from taxes— And the stuff that's produced is not really production. It's not stuff that the citizens of the United States are using. We have no idea what great things all those people would be doing if they weren't billing military hardware. That's what production and economy is about. Condos in Arlington pull in a pretty penny. We could put it towards the debt. I figure the 34 acres and 6.5 million square feet would get us about 2,500 luxury condos. We could sell that for about $5 billion in that market after the conversion. $5 billion is a good thing. As of now, we are 17 days, 10 hours, and 27 minutes into the latest partial government shutdown. Non-essential services are not being done. I don't know why the federal government does any non-essential services. I looked without finding any non-essential services that the states delegated to the central government in the Constitution. I've asked around without finding anyone who cares, other than a few sob stories about workers not being able to pay their mortgage and some people voluntarily taking out the trash in national parks. Why are we still operating in Syria during the shutdown? The fighting there is non-essential service. By definition, we don't need anything done in Syria. Bring them all home before we make an even bigger mess there, if one can imagine such a thing, or one more American soldier gets hurt. Most of the U.S. soldiers signed up to defend the U.S., and they took an oath to do that. Why should we send them on an offensive mission with no clear goal and no defined way to declare a win? Trump is right. Leave. He responded to Bolton with, Iran hates ISIS even more than we do. Let them deal with this problem. Right on, Mr. Trump. Please do it. You have the authority per the Constitution. Bring them home. Oops, I just made a new block on the Liberty Solutions podcast. This was supposed to be a three-minute summary. I think I'll call this the rant block, but next time I'll attempt to make it shorter. This last bit was all inserted, but I still have the goodbye to Ed block, so here we go. All right, Ed, thanks for coming on Liberty Solutions. So uh, tell us how to listen to the uh, WSQF uh, online and FM.
1: Okay. Well, we are the Concrete Conservatives on WSQF 94.5 FM in Key Biscayne. And if you're not near Key Biscayne, you can listen on the internet, www.wsqfradio.com. And you can also go uh, get Satellite Radio, which is www.radiogarden.com. So thank you very much. We're on Mondays from 5 to 7 p.m. Following us, there's... Statutes and stories dot com www dot and I'm going to talk to Adam Levinson who is the uh, star and host of that part right now.
0: Okay Ed well we uh, we I know you have a meeting you got to get back to your day job as an attorney so we'll let you go. Thanks Thank you for coming on. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Syria is a clear example of the quagmire in the Middle East and how U.S. military intervention doesn't resolve it. Our military can make it worse in the name of making it better. I listed 21 reasons the U.S. has intervened in the Middle East. John Bolton named four currently being used in Syria alone. ISIS, Iran, Israel, Kurds. All are excuses to implement a pre-existing agenda. None are the original reason Obama went in. Trump claimed victory in Syria and ordered a rapid withdrawal because ISIS is gone. Fine with me. But this week, the swamp neocons are overruling Trump, extending the occupation and now announcing several withdrawal conditions. Mr. Trump should fire John Bolton before he gets more Americans killed. Then Trump should order the forces in Syria to leave unconditionally, as he has already ordered twice and is constitutionally authorized to do. The Constitution assigns Congress the job of deciding when and where to go to war. World War II is the last time a president legally sent troops into battle. Most of the numerous Middle East inv- interventions would not have happened if Congress had to declare war first. An amendment from an Article V convention for proposing amendments that explicitly declares the president is not authorized to start a war and Congress is not authorized to grant its power to the president could prevent more of these failed interventions. Unless there is a legitimate threat to us and both the House and Senate vote that military action is desirable, they are unlikely to declare war. An amendment could eliminate most future U.S. military actions in the Middle East by, one, reminding the government that Congress is the only branch with the expressly delegated power to declare war, and two, explicitly denying the president the power to send armed forces into battle without a congressional declaration of war. Such an amendment falls under the Convention of States' action topic of limiting the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. The Founders would be appalled at the President's use of his authority as Commander-in-Chief of the military to conduct wars without a declaration. The Founders wanted trade with all foreign nations and entanglements with none. This proposed amendment also falls into the fiscal responsibility topic of Convention of States' action. If the U.S. military was solely a defensive organization... It would be less expensive. An amendment which got them to only defend the U.S. would sharply reduce the cost. They then could only conduct attacks on other countries when Congress declared war. The 2018 military budget of about three-quarters of a trillion dollars is more than what is necessary to defend us from foreign invaders. The U.S. military should not be the world's police force, spending trillions of dollars protecting other countries It should not overthrow other governments because D.C. politicians prefer some other form. It's not our job, not what the founders wanted, not what the Constitution says, and it often does more harm than good. It creates more terrorists, which adds to a risk, and it is too expensive. Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution covers how the Constitution is changed. It is a legal agreement between the states which enacts the federal government and has two ways to propose changes. One method allows Congress to propose an amendment after a two-thirds vote by both the House and Senate. This has been used 27 times. The second method is when two-thirds of the states call for a topic they want to change on. All states then hold a Convention for Proposing Amendments, also called a Convention of the States. There they debate, agree, and issue a proposed amendment. The second proposal method was included for cases where Congress itself is the problem. It has yet to be used. With either proposal method, it then goes out to all state legislatures. When three-quarters of the states ratify the proposed amendment, it takes effect as part of the Constitution. The federal government is then legally required to follow it. With either proposal method, it is the states that change the Constitution by their ratification, because the people through their states are who has ultimate sovereignty. The states are the legal parties to the contract, not the federal government, so only the states can change it constitutionally. Wondering what can I do? If you are not happy with D.C., please consider supporting an Article V convention. Three million people now support Convention of States action. This project is asking state legislatures to call for a convention to propose amendments limited to three topics. Restrict the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, impose fiscal responsibility, and add term limits for offices beyond the president's. Please visit conventionofstates.com to see why, what, and who. All one word, conventionofstates.com. If you agree with this effort, you can sign the petition to send your view to your state legislatures. You can also go to the Take Action page and join a volunteer team. For info on how a convention would work in audio form, you can listen to the Free to Be Free show archived episodes on Apple Podcasts. That's free to be free. Thanks for listening to Liberty Solutions. Please like us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Play, or listen on the Bud Sprout website. The previous Liberty Solutions episodes are all available at these locations. Goodbye for now. We, the people,
1: we, the people, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility,
0: provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty,
1: and secure the blessings of liberty
0: to ourselves and our posterity,
1: to ordain and establish this Constitution, Do ordain and establish this Constitution.
0: For the United States of America. The question facing us and facing our fellow countrymen is a two-word question, very simply, who decides? The American founders had a simple answer. We, the people, decide.